On today's show, the Yankees joined forces with the Rays to do something unexpected but needed during Thursday night's game. This special edition of Locked On Yankees is going to be a little different than others, but we hope it brings some comfort to people during a dark week. You are Locked On Yankees, your daily New York Yankees podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Yankees fans. Welcome to Locked On Yankees, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Abby Mastraco. I'm joined by my co-host, Stacey Gatsoulias. We'd like to thank you for making Locked On Yankees your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including Apple, Odyssey, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can watch and subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, hit the like button on our videos, and please comment if you feel so inclined. When you get to your car, you can tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Yankees. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered with more props, odds, and lines this season than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. So it's been it's been quite a trying week. Look, living through the last few years, you could say that that's sort of an evergreen statement. But three shootings in one week and uh, the other day uh, with the Uvalde shooting and how the sort of reporting process has played out and the more information we find out, it's it just feels like it feels like sports are a little bit irrelevant right now. It yeah. really does. It's hearing that so many children, kids were gunned down in such a senseless act of, act of violence. And then, of course, the political infighting that always seems to follow, you know, it's not time to politicize this and it's not time to talk about gun control. Okay, well, then when is it? When right. is it? And then it, it's just, it's an exhausting cycle. This happens n- in no other country. This doesn't happen anywhere else. And it, it's the last few years, given all of the events that have unfolded, you know, starting with covid and the and George Floyd and just and the ensuing the ensuing sort of racial um, conversations and protests that we were having and war in Ukraine, you know, recession, people are inflation. It sometimes sports feel sort of pointless. And me as a reporter, I've had trouble in the last few years focusing on my job because it feels like this doesn't mean anything and these other things mean more. And how are we all supposed to just move on with our lives and like watch baseball? Right. You know, it feels a little bit almost insensitive because there are so many people who are in a position right now who can't just move on and shift their attention and watch baseball as a distraction. I don't know how you've been feeling about this, Stacey, but you know, when I saw that the Yankees and the Rays decided to do something about it yesterday, it, it really felt like, okay, you know, I'm not alone in feeling like this. Right. Um, Tuesday, I didn't record a show. I was feeling anxious anyway. I was just, you know, sometimes my anxiety is too much for me and I can't function. And then I found out about the shooting and I was getting ready to record because I wanted to try and push myself through it. And then when the news came out, 
I just thought, I'm not going to be able to talk about baseball right now with something like this happening. You know, all of the mass shootings are tragic, but there's something different when children are involved. Yeah. It's just... Little kids, these are elementary school kids. Yeah. You know, uh, it was their last week of school. They were, you know, watching the one... There's one girl. They interviewed her, not on camera. She didn't want to be interviewed by a man because she's now terrified of men because the shooter was a male. She covered herself with her friend's blood and played dead in the classroom. Yeah. She said they were watching Lilo and Stitch because, you know, three days before at the end of the school year, they were done with all their work. She said that the teacher had gotten an email saying there was a guy with a gun outside and she went to the door and he was right there. And this little girl is obviously traumatized. You know, you think about the kids who were killed, but you also think about the kids who watched their friends and teachers get killed. They're never going to be the same. No. Their innocence was taken from them. She's in fourth grade and she had the wherewithal to think, I have to put blood on myself and play dead so he doesn't kill me. What kind of a country are we in where people find this okay and they think it's not necessary to pass gun laws? We're not trying to take guns away. We're trying to make it We're trying so, to keep them out of the hands of people like Salvador Ramos who, yeah. did, who committed this horrific act. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. And it's becoming like you can't just keep ignoring it. And I, I Tuesday I had to write about goalie interference, which felt very pointless. And I also had to write about racism, a racial racial incident in hockey. Yeah. And it's it was like it was just I was sitting at my grandmother's house in California and I just felt very heavy. My mom sent me a video of my um, my friend's daughter who is about to turn five and she just graduated from preschool yesterday and she's going to go into kindergarten. She was practicing the Pledge of Allegiance because they all had to do the Pledge of Allegiance for the first time at their like preschool graduation ceremony. <laughs> and at the end, the way that she said, with liberty and justice for all, she went like, she, if you can see me on YouTube, if you're not listening on YouTube, if you're listening on the radio or on podcast network, um, she sort of opened her arms and very enthusiastically said, with liberty and justice for all. And it was like, I, I was nearly in tears because I was like, this little girl's going to go have to do active shooter drills next year in kindergarten. And just the way that she said with liberty and justice for all, like a five-year-old thinks that we have it, wants everybody to have it. Mm -hmm. And I just, in that moment, I, I was nearly in tears. I just needed a moment sitting outside by myself and writing about goalie interference just suddenly seemed so trivial almost. Yeah. So last night the Yankees were playing the Rays and they decided to team up and do something different. And I'll get into like why this is so impactful in a minute, but let me just read the tweet. They put up a graphic that said in lieu of game coverage and in collaboration with the Tampa Bay Rays, we will be using our channels to offer facts about the impacts of gun violence, the devastating events that have taken place in Uvalde, Buffalo and countless other communities across our nation are tragedies that are intolerable. And I was reading that on my flight back from California. And um, 
there was a woman on my flight who I had been talking to in the airport who um, she said she had a friend who was a member of that church in Orange County where there was a gunman last week. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, she was a few rows ahead of me, so I didn't show this to her, but like, it was just a very emotional, I, I, I don't know, it just felt very like real. Like it was almost like close. And it, like, I'm sitting next to somebody who knows somebody who was in the church when it got shot up. Church, churches, schools. Yeah. And for people to say that, like, to put the onus on, kids and teachers to say kids need to know how to keep themselves safe and teachers need to know how to keep kids safe no that's not part of their jobs we cannot put the onus on these kids and what you know put the onus on on what pastors at churches to like congregations no no it's on us as americans to try and do something to prevent these tragedies prevent these preventable tragedies from happening and the Yankees and the Rays teamed up to try and use their platforms for good. So what they did was they had, they were tweeting instead of play by play, they were tweeting facts and they had every single one of them backed up by stats and sources. They linked to these sources. It was incredibly well done and informative and a lot of people, I mean, I saw people in and out of, in, in the sports world and out of the sports world, I saw people who were diehard Mets fans saying thank you to the Yankees and the Rays. And I saw, and look, of course, there was a lot of anger in the mentions as well, because look, there's a lot of anger in the tweet today about how it's an Amazon Prime game. You're just, you're always going to get that. And right. there's, there are people who don't believe in common sense gun laws and no matter what, we're not going to change their minds. But if you can, my, my opinion of this is if you can change the mind of even one person, then, then we're doing something. Then it's, it's, it's starting to work. Right. And I, I just, it, it felt to me like the Yankees and Rays sort of read the room and thought, you know, this is this baseball game that's going on. This isn't in the grand scheme of things. It's not very important, but if we do something, if we do something to educate people, that's important to right. bring some awareness. That's important. If we get a couple people to click on these links and understand the gun violence problem in this country, that's important. And these people feeling like and people like me and you who were feeling like sports just didn't matter. They, they really, they understood that. And it very much felt like we were not alone in feeling that. Because there are sometimes when sports is an escape from things that are happening in the world. But when it's something like this, I just, and the more that comes out about it, it's just horrifying. The whole thing is horrifying. It's a privilege to be able to use sports as an escape. But then you've got the people who say like, well, this is an escape and I don't want politics brought into this. Well, guess what? That's dehumanizing to the people on the field, on the court, on the ice who are playing these games because they're humans with feelings about these issues as well. Zach right. Britton was tweeting about it yesterday. You know, we saw yeah. lots of other athletes re- responding. Steve Kerr, right before he went and coached in a playoff game, crying at the podium, begging the American government to do something. And yeah. even backing that up with facts and statistics, which is what you have to do because there's always going to be people who say, 
who have their, you know, they have their talking points like, oh, you know, the way to combat a bad guy with a gun is more good guys with a gun. Well, you know, I think the police, Uvalde police showed that they, maybe that theory is off yeah. for one. But two, you know, where are you getting that from? Like, what's what study are you citing? How has that ever been proven? Because I think it was just proven wrong. But Steve Kerr had he came ready. He was armed. And I, I, he's a person who, when people say, when people wonder, like, why are these athletes doing this? I don't want to, I don't follow them for their political views. I follow them for sports. I don't follow them to talk about any of this. I want to just watch them on the field and escape for a little bit. Well, because they're impactful people who could possibly get people engaged, get them engaged to register to vote, get them engaged to research some of these issues, get them engaged to like go to a protest, you know? Um, and I mean, Steve Kerr's father was gunned down in Beirut in Steve 1984. Was, yeah. I so mean, if anything he has, has a right to talk about this, it's him. Yep. Mm-hmm. And to tell athletes to stick to sports, it's just very dehumanizing because sports are actually sort of a microcosm of society. Of course. It sort of illustrates the systemic issues that we have in our society in a, in a much smaller and sort of different way. Right. I've, I mean, I write a lot about the intersection of sports and society. The other day, I just had to write about Nazem Qadri facing um, racist, xenophobic threats from hockey fans. And so these problems exist, not just in our society, but they exist in sports too. So there is no like taking the human aspect out of sports and saying these guys shouldn't talk and they don't get a say in this because they're humans too. Yeah. It always bothers me when people say stick to sports because my job is actually to write about the intersection of sports and society. So like my job is kind of to like not stick to sports. Yeah. Um, In a moment, we'll continue our discussion. But first, with spring in the air, it's a time of renewal and growth. And our next partner is something I use every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted better gut health, more energy, a better immune system. I don't like taking pills and vitamins. I really don't. I've been like that since I'm a kid. And it's easy to drink them instead. And I've been on AG1 for nearly three months now, and I love it. Doesn't taste like it's super healthy, and the taste is mild and tropical, so it's really nice. I have it first thing in the morning before I even have my coffee or breakfast. And with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adoptogens to help start your day right. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with daily nutrition that's convenient. There's no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. Just take a sip. To make it easy, AG1 is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs, which is pretty cool. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash MLB network. Again, athleticgreens.com slash MLB network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. It's a privilege when you get to use sports as a distraction for things like that. I mean, I couldn't watch baseball that night with my grand. I, I love watching baseball with my grandmother. I mean, she's a she lived in Brooklyn when she was little and watched Jackie Robinson. And like, she's a diehard Brooklyn Dodger fan, an LA Dodger fan now. And she lives in Orange County. So she loves watching Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. And one of my favorite things to do is watch baseball with my Nana. She's almost 90. How many more opportunities am I going to get to watch baseball with her? And I couldn't bring myself to watch sports that night. And she couldn't either. Yeah. So I just think that the Yankees and the Rays teaming up to do this and, the, you know, the Rays doing it would be impactful as well. But the Yankees are a legacy brand. That is a brand. 
I was actually shocked that the Yankees did something. When I saw the Rays were doing it, I wasn't that surprised. But when I saw that the Yankees were teaming up with them, I thought, wow, this is this is big because the Yankees, they try to stay out of things like that. Like, you know, they started the Stonewall um, scholarship, but they still don't have an outright pride night. You know, they kind of stay out of things like that. So for them to do something like this, I was I was kind of shocked by it. Happily shocked. Yeah. I mean, what this is going to do is it's going to show other teams that it's okay to take a stand and let your fans know where you stand on something like this. And you have to do it the right way, though. And the Yankees and Rays absolutely did do it the right way by backing everything up with well-researched sources. Yeah. But look, the fear is that you're going to lose season ticket holders or you're going to, you know, lose some ratings. I think... I think maybe that fear is subsiding a little bit. I wouldn't say that it's going away because I've seen a lot of teams over the last few years um, doing things maybe not necessarily like this, this big, because I don't think anybody has just said since the George Floyd or the since after the Jacob Blake shooting when um, the bubble teams who were not even just the bubble teams, but baseball too, decided that they were not going to play on certain nights. Yeah. In protest of police brutality and um, systemic racism. Like we haven't seen a team like that was like a, I thought that was a once in a lifetime moment that I was going to see. I never thought I would see a team do something like this again. And this is going to show other teams and other large brands uh, that they, they can make an impact and they can wade into something like this if they're doing it right. And if they're doing it, with the right intentions, because what we do see is like some performative tweets and it doesn't really make that much of a difference sometimes, but the Yankees and the Rays really took the time to coordinate and make sure that they were doing this in a, in the correct way. And it was really impactful and it was really meaningful for a lot of people. And I think maybe this is going to open the door to some other teams doing other things and maybe you know look i hate this because it seems like every few weeks we're living through some sort of crisis yeah um real tired of unprecedented times here but maybe the last two years have been yeah the last two years have been unprecedented times and it just doesn't seem to end we're in perpetual unprecedented times that just won't end and i i think maybe that there's going to be other teams that see this and say, okay, you know, when these things happen, not everybody wants to pay attention to sports. So we're going to show people that we are, that they're not alone in that feeling. And we're going to give them some, we're going to give back something to them that, that maybe makes them feel as I don't feel as though like things are going to be okay, but you know, we're trying to do something to combat this as well. That's what it is. Like we're not just going to play a baseball game and act like everything is okay. Cause they do. They all had to play a baseball game last night and act like everything was fine when it wasn't the last few nights. And yeah. this is a way for teams to say, we understand that things aren't okay. And we're going to try and do something about it. You know, the other night, Trevino hits the home run to it at the home run, the walk off hit to win the game. And the first thing he said was, My thoughts and prayers are with the people in Texas because of what happened earlier today. 
um, because he's from there. And, you know, of course, anyone with, well, I shouldn't say anyone, because there are some people who are reacting to this like it's no big deal, which I don't understand. (laughs) Um, I tend to be overly sensitized to it now. We're desensitized to it right now. There are three shootings in a week. Yeah. Like when it happened, I saw it on, I saw it come up on um, Twitter that there was an active shooter in Texas at a Texas school. And I kind of was just like, huh. And I kept going with my story because I had a deadline. And then it wasn't until a couple of my friends were starting to text me that I was like, okay, now I need to look and see what like the severity of the situation. But my first reaction was just like, I kind of shrugged and moved on because we hear about an active shooter every, every week. It seems like. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, I remember being very affected by the Charleston shooting. That was the one in the church. Yeah. Where he went to the Bible study. He was hanging out with them. And then he decided after sitting with them for a while to shoot them. And, you know, I mean, it's tragic when anyone gets shot. Let's say that. But when you see victims who are at either end of the spectrum, you have kids who haven't even lived their life yet getting wiped out by a a shooter or someone who's lived 90 years and who's grocery shopping in Buffalo and gets killed by someone who decided he doesn't like black people, so he's going to shoot and kill them. And there are people in this country who think that's perfectly fine, that People should be able to walk around with guns that can wipe out people in a matter of minutes. And I don't understand. I've never understood that. And you know what? I, I didn't grow up with guns. Okay. My ex-boyfriend though, who was in the army, he was an infantryman in combat to him. Guns are a tool that you use for work. And he is very, you know, he's trained on, he's trained on our AR-15, you know, Um, in an effort to, sort of understand the other side. I went to a shooting range with him one time and shoot AR-15s. We shot, I don't know, just like some, like a handgun or something like a Glock or something, I think. And he, when we were leaving, you know, he was not trying to be like super enthusiastic. I think he was hoping that I would be a little bit more enthusiastic about it than I was, but he was just trying to gauge my um, attitude about it. And he was like, so, you know, you saw people in there who were practicing for a shooting competition and like having a lot of fun, joking around in there. And he was like, what did you think? And I said, honestly, the whole time I was thinking one of them could just get mad and snap and turn around and shoot any of us. And he kind of laughed and he was like, oh, you really like, really? That was your reaction? I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm not used to being around guns. It's very jarring for me to be around weapons like that. And he was like, he kind of just like sat with that for a minute. And he was like, okay, I can see how it would be like that to somebody who's never been around them. He's like, I'm so used to being around them. And this is a sport for him. And it's also a you know a tool for him. Um, you know, it was great that we were able to like sort of see each other's perspectives about that. I think he better understood how I was feeling more so than I understood how he was feeling because I still don't understand. Look, if you want to do this as a hobby, like there's probably better ways to do it. You don't have to keep an AR-15 under your bed. You can go keep it at the shooting range. Although I I don't know why we need military grade weapons like for humans to begin with. Like I get it. Like there's, you know, you go to shooting contests and things like that, but like maybe we don't need military grade weapons for that. And I'm not talking about taking your, 
hunting rifle away. That's a whole right. other culture as well. But keeping these, keeping things out of the hands of people who are going to commit these horrific acts. And yeah, you can say that it's a mental health problem and it is, but then why have mental health in this country is very difficult to access. So then let's do something about that too. You know, it doesn't have to be either or. We don't have to say, oh, we can't pass any gun laws, but you know, we'll fix the mental health problem. Why can't we do both? Right. Why can't we pass a common sense gun laws and make access to mental health care more easily accessible and easily affordable? Right. Um, the path, path to Progress account on Instagram posted an image because everyone always brings up the Second Amendment. And, you know, when the Second Amendment was written, guys were shooting with muskets, okay? <laughs> so they put up a comparison between a musket and an AR-15. So the musket shoots two to three bullets per minute. What the founders had in mind, used in the Revolutionary War, should be in a museum, governed by the Second Amendment. Then the AR-15 shoots 20 to 45 bullets per minute, unimaginable to the founders, used at Sandy Hook, Buffalo, and Uvalde, should be off American streets, governed by the Second Amendment. We don't want to take, I don't want to take people's guns away. If you like shooting guns, have fun shooting your guns at whatever you're shooting at. If you're in a range and you feel the need to do it, that's fine. I had two uncles who were in the NRA. My uncle Vincent had guns all over my grandparents' apartment. And when I moved into that apartment, we had to get rid of a bunch of munitions that were still in the freaking apartment. My dad's like, we got to get rid of this stuff. I'm like, why is this still here? He hasn't lived in this apartment for like 20 years. What's going on? Um, you know, they had rifles in their room and I would see him do things with the guns and there were bullets all over the place and they would go to a shooting range. That's what they would do. But I feel like if both my uncles were still alive, they're both, one passed away in 09, the other one in 2010, we would be fighting like you would not believe over this issue because I just don't understand why. Well, my um, ex-boyfriend brought up a good point years ago. And we, it was when we were having this whole conversation about, you know, after we had been to the shooting range and he really wanted me to sort of like it so that maybe that could be like a hobby we had together. And I was like, no, no, that's not going to happen. Was, no, it's fine. You, you are going to go to the range and you're going to shoot guns. And I am going to go to the gym and do what I do. Cause he hated going to the gym. He liked hiking and biking and outdoor things. Um, you know, we don't have to have all the same hobbies and interests. Sure. Right. So he said, um, you know, I wouldn't be, he said, in the military, we have guns locked up in certain areas so that, like, when we're on a base, he's like, you know, people don't just have guns in their house. We have them locked up so that we can go practice with them. Right. Like, it is a, it's a, it's very much a tool. They study how to use it, how to clean it, how to be safe with it. And he suggests, he said, you know, I think maybe that's it. That was his solution is he was like, if people want to keep guns for um, sport reasons, have them locked up in like a facility at like a shooting range or something like that. Like if they want to go practice for, for target practice, and this is not the people, this is not um, guns for like protection. Right. These were specifically for shooting competitions, tournaments, whatever. He said, you know, I think he's like, I, I think maybe that's, that could be some sort of like, solution and, and some of his friends had said the same thing like yeah you know we don't really need to keep them in our house if we're using them for like a competition 
have them locked up in like some sort of facility where we can access them when we get there to practice whatever, whatever. And look, this was not my suggestion. This is somebody who is pretty well versed in, in gun culture, knows a lot about it. This was his suggestion. Um, I thought it was very interesting that he brought that up and that some of his friends brought it up as well, but they were people who treat guns very differently because they have been around them so much for work. They don't treat them as just sort of, I don't know, like, you know, something you have under your, something you have around just for funsies. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, um, it's different for them when they've been around them so much and they are so versed, well-versed in their uses and, I, I don't know. I just, I think maybe there are solutions to be had, but the infighting in this country, look, we've seen it for years. We've seen, we've, it's, it, it has hit a fever pitch since COVID. Oh, that's, I probably shouldn't say fever pitch and talking about a virus like that. Oh man. Um, it's exhausting. The news cycle is exhausting. People yeah. are constantly arguing. Yeah. And I think there should be an age limit though, because a lot of these yeah. shooters are under 21 I mean, you can't get a drink. Well, I mean, you can if you, you find ways to do it. But legally, you're not supposed to drink till you're 21. So why is it so easy for someone who literally just turned 18 to go out and buy a bunch of bullets and a couple of AR-15s? Like, make it a little more difficult for people to do that? That's all we're asking for. That's all I want. Just make it a little more difficult for people to get military-grade weapons. Background checks, closing gun show loopholes. Yeah. You know, and I understand all of the opposition to this and the people are going to say, well, people, you know, criminals are going to find a way to get guns anyway. Right. Sure. But it's going to make it harder for a lot of people to find them. And well, yeah. I, I mean, I think even beyond the issue of gun violence, just everything that we have been dealing with in the last few years, COVID wars, everyone's frustrated Everyone's upset. People, ha you know, there's been racism. There has been arguments between friends and family members have been divided. I just think that what the Yankees and the Rays did to come together and say, we want to do something that makes an impact and we don't have to stick to baseball tonight. It, this doesn't, they're not expecting anybody to just be like, okay, back to normal, you know, because things aren't normal right now and they haven't been for a really long time. And I think for, to professional teams like that, especially a legacy organization like the Yankees, it is, it really makes a statement that we are not back to normal and teams don't have to act like we are either. Now, I will say the WNBA has been very proactive about things like that throughout the last few years. I mean, they were probably, they probably did more than, than any league when it came to some of um, the racial protests and the social protests. Uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Civil rights stuff. They were probably more active than any other other league. And they I, I thought they did a really great job with some of their initiatives too, but they don't get the attention and notoriety that Major League Baseball and a team like the New York Yankees, prestige legacy brand, the pinstripes, you know, the like it's an iconic brand. You know, how, how many rappers do we see wearing the interlocking NY, like wearing the Yankees logo. That was such a big deal when LeBron wore a Yankees hat to a Cleveland game back in like, what was it, 2007? Yeah, that was, yeah. <laughs> it really, it makes a lot of people 
realize that like they're not alone in this this really strange feeling that we have right now yeah and i saw a lot of people like thanking the yankees and saying we needed this last like they them in particular they needed it and i, I think it's going to help a lot of other organizations be able to say okay we can do something as well let's figure out what it is that we should be doing and what we want to do in order to make a difference as well because i have and i've talked to some teams that like feel very helpless during all of this and there look there's going to be some owners and some um probably cmos marketing officers who say don't touch it don't touch it ignore it okay so that's so those teams will ignore it but there's going to be other teams that are more open to this now that they've seen the yankees do this yeah just really impactful and they did such a great job like shout out to the social media team the content team they they made a big difference last night yeah and i hope that they feel very proud of themselves for doing that yeah i did like that they would you mentioned it earlier they would sorry thunder and lightning (laughs) um that they would put out a stat and then immediately have a citation because Mm -hmm. especially on a social media website like Twitter, someone will always be quick to say, well, where did you get this info from? Where's what's your source? Source. So the fact that they did that with every single one of them was basic. That that was, I mean, you need to do that, but it was great that they did that. People love to do that. Last year when the, the Toronto Blue Jays, like, I don't know, like put somebody on the injured list or like DFA to guy, somebody, it, the team account had said, had said something and somebody jumped in and said source and the Blue Jays responded us, literally the Toronto Blue Jays. Like, I remember, I remember that. Yeah. People are so quick to be like, you can't believe everything you see on the internet. Well, if it's coming from the team account, like, okay, you can believe the DFA there. <laughs> but yeah. I, I just, I thought that was really, that was very, very smart of them to do and how they coordinated it. Like the Rays and the Yankees both came together and had the same information and the same sources so there was no like you know conflicting information yeah yeah it was it, uh it was quite a moment they didn't change a lot of people's minds that's they're not going to right but if they can get people to engage read some of those links and there's a lot of anger right now there's always going to be a lot of anger and there's always going to be people who say I just want to watch sports to distract myself. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it is just sort of like, like I said, it's a privilege. Not everybody has that privilege. Yeah. I mean, I was getting a kick out of the people who, um, when the Yankees first put that tweet out saying what they were doing, well, how am I going to keep track of the game? And Lindsay Adler was like, "Um, the game's on the TV and you can listen to the game on the radio. And also you can like follow the stats online. Like there's game day. And, and I, you know, jokingly tweeted about that. I'm like, are people really complaining that the Rays and the Yankees aren't going to do play by play on their account? Is that the only way they're finding out how these games are being won? Do you not have a phone? Do you not have a computer? Do you not have other websites you can go to? Like what, what the, that's the silliest complaint I've ever seen in my life, but okay, it's Twitter and people, you know, people will do it, but it, it's just like, there's a million ways to along and Twitter is not the best one because people make mistakes on Twitter. I mean, I delete tons of tweets where I got the score wrong and, um, I hate that. People will always be like so quick to jump down my throat and be like, oh my God, what game are you watching? Like, I'm dyslexic. Sorry, I tweeted the, lo- the wrong score. It happens. Right. 
right. we all make mistakes. There's no edit button. Yeah, but well, <laughs> it, it, it was, it was, it, it, at a time when we, there's not a lot good, right? And I mean, it's, I won't say that. There's not that there's not a lot good. There, at a time when like people are so angry and sad and confused and frustrated, this was two pretty important professional sports franchises saying enough is enough. We're going to try and use our platform for good. And we need a little bit of good right now. Yeah. It was, it was really meaningful and really, I know I keep using the word impactful. I should probably look at thesaurus.com. I had it pulled up earlier today. Mm-hmm. I closed out of it. Cause I only have like 75 tabs open on my computer and something I had to give. Yeah. But it really made a difference. Mm-hmm. Not with everybody, but that's okay. You can't win over everybody. Right. But to just do nothing, I think is, I don't know. They, look, they don't have to do anything. They're not. They did this on their own. They they blow back. They would be saying, yes. And they still did it. Yeah, that's why. Like I, I said it earlier. I'm, just, I'm, I was just shocked because the Yankees yeah. aren't really known for doing stuff like that. So the fact that they did that. Um, and, you know, teaming with the Rays to do it, it's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, and I, I think really, more, more teams should do that. Yeah, and I talked to a couple of team employees, not with the Yankees, but with other teams that I know last night who said, you know, they had wanted to do things like this in the past and they couldn't. And it was um, sort of heartening to see that a te- that teams were were doing it and just not holding back and it it was encouraging for them it goes beyond gun violence it's sort of just taking a stand on something that just taking a stand and and like advocating for advocating for the greater good like these teams are such pillars of the community 9-11 baseball played such a huge role in helping the city grieve you know these teams are they are out in the community doing things. They are, you know, what Brian Cashman sleeps with the homeless every year, you know? Yeah. Well, the Yankee, the Stonewall Scholarship, um, parts of charities that these teams establish, they are out in the community trying to make a difference. And they are also like, we've talked about this many times, they feel like members of our family, like they're at our homes every night, especially the broadcasters, like they're in our homes every night. If there's one thing we can count on in like a weird time, it's that sense of normalcy that comes on when you're turning on a baseball game every night. Right. And that's a good thing. But your your sense of normalcy is still disrupted, even though there's baseball on sometimes. And I just thought that for members of the community to, members of the community to use their platform like this, it's, it's just, this was just really meaningful. I'm not going to use the word impactful again. This is my pet peeve as a writer using the same words over and over. And I tend to do it. You know, the other day I had to delete a story where I used the word rhetoric like five times. I was like, rhetoric. I know what that feels like. Not that I've, not that I've written in a while, but I remember those days being like, why did I use this word three times in one paragraph? I need to use a thesaurus. What the hell? So bravo, Yankees, Yankees, social media, marketing, content. I mean, from right on down, because this had to get permission, I'm sure, all the way up at the top. 
this doesn't you know, this isn't something that just somebody who tweets every night can pull off by themselves. Bravo Yankees, Bravo Rays. Yeah. I hope yeah. other teams follow. Definitely. So that's it for this episode of Locked On Yankees, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Stacey and I would like to remind you, you can listen to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you get your podcasts. You can watch and subscribe to us on YouTube. Again, like and comment on YouTube as well. Stacey will try and respond to your comments. I will also try, but I can't guarantee it. I'm sorry. I can't guarantee it. I try. (laughs) When you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on MLB. Now make your second listen of the day Locked on MLB. Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him Sully, brings you his unique perspective on Major League's past and present. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. One more thing, if you could be so kind, please rate the podcast and spread the word about this podcast to your fellow Yankee fans. We'd really appreciate it. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you next week.